Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons Podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Look at someone and just tell them, God is good. God is good. Amen. It's good to see your smiling faces here today. We're missing a few people here today. Keep Mother Betty in your prayers. She's been with her family in Sacramento and Stockton and visiting with all her daughters. And she's supposed to be coming back this week. But just for traveling mercies, for those that are on the road as well. I know Sister Brenda was in Italy, enjoying Italy. I mean, I was a little jealous when I saw some of those pictures on Facebook. But uh, just uh, keep them all in your prayers that they have a safe return. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to continue today um, on the Holy Spirit. We've been on this subject. We started last week, the sermon series, The Holy Spirit. Look at your neighbor and just tell them, the Holy Spirit's my friend. Amen. He is your friend. And last week I started with, who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Um, These are questions that we looked at last week as we began this series. I touched on the fact that he is your helper. Say, helper. How many need help? All of us do at different times. You may need it tomorrow. We certainly need it when we go shopping at Walmart. Help! He's our comforter. Amen? He brings us comfort. In the middle of a storm, in the middle of a trial, he's our comforter. He is your friend as well. Amen. Did you know that there are religious organizations that will tell you that the Holy Spirit is not a person? Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, will tell you that he's an active force, a power, but that's it. But how many know that you cannot have a relationship with a force or a power? God, the Holy Spirit, is a person as defined in the Bible. And I want to be clear again that if you believe such as they do, that he's just a power or a force, you will never have a personal relationship with him, with God Almighty, with God, the Holy Spirit. And God desires that you and I would have a relationship with him. How many would agree that that as you've gotten to know Christ, this relationship deepens, amen? It, just like with any, anybody, a, a personal relationship, the longer you know that person, the more it deepens and deepens and deepens. Now, there's many descriptions of God in the Bible. Obviously, there's many, but I want to take a look at specifically what it says about the Trinity, which is the belief of, of three persons in one God, in the Godhead. So, There's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's God the Holy Spirit. The Bible describes each of these functioning as God, making the one God, correct? We don't worship three gods. There's not three thrones in heaven. There's one throne, one God that we worship. But it's extremely important that we understand the distinction of persons. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit. So the first question you would naturally ask is, What is a person? What is a person? And for some people, some people would tell you, a person has life. Well, I would tell you, a tree has life. Does that make it a person? No. So it's much more and beyond just a a, a tree or or just having life. It has uh, also a personality. A person exhibits personality. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you have a personality. And some of you have some more personality than others, amen? 
But here's the, here's the thing. Not only do we have personalities, we also have a soul. Everybody say soul. A soul. So, so what constitutes a person? It's very simple. A person has a personality and a soul. That describes each of you. But did you know it also describes God? And that's what I want to take you on today. As we, uh, I have three points for you today, some scriptures if you'll follow along. And before we do that, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and open up right now. Bow your heads with me. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this time that we get together to dig into your word. I pray as always, Lord, that your word be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that it would lead us, guide us. Your word says that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. And we trust in that today, Father, that as we open our hearts and our spirits to you, that you would share, that you would give us insight into your word today. And we give you thanks and we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So, did you know that the Father, as described in the Bible, has a soul? Have you ever thought of that? God the Father has a soul. And I want to take you to a scripture found in Matthew chapter 12. You have this on your outline. If, if you don't, it, it will be up on the screen, I believe. Uh, maybe not. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 18. Listen to these words. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul delights. What's going on there? This is the father describing the son and describing that his soul, the father's soul, is delighted in the son. Are you catching this? Amen. The father is describing that he has a soul. When was the last time you thought of God as having a soul? I know it's not often or common that we would think, God, you have a soul. We tend to think of him as such a, so different than us. But remember this, you and I were created in his image. Amen? It doesn't mean that you look like God physically, but there are characteristics that you and I share that are exactly what the Lord has. And one of these I'm here to tell you today is that we have a soul. The Spirit of God has a soul. The Holy Spirit, or excuse me, let me, I, I got ahead of myself. Um, the Son is described as having a soul. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38. Listen to this verse. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. This is Jesus when he was praying he, was, he says his soul is deeply grieved. We know that Jesus Christ, who was 100% man and 100% God, had a soul as well. And then finally in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38, in the New King James Version, the Spirit of God is described as having a soul. Listen to these words. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Are you catching that theme? The Holy Trinity of God has a soul. There's a personality, a soul there. So that brings up the next question. What is a soul? Pastor Rick, what's a soul? I need to know what a soul is. And here's a simple answer. A soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Every one of you have a mind, a will, and emotions. That's described as your soul. It, what's, it's what constitutes you as a, as a person, as a, as a soul. 
A person has thoughts, desires, and feelings, mind, will, and emotions. All of those, you cannot escape those. No matter who you are, you have desires, thoughts, and feelings. Again, tying with mind, will, and emotions. That's part of the makeup of who we are. Amen. You and I have a soul. And there are numerous scriptures throughout the Bible that describe the mind of God, the will of God, and the emotions of God. There, there are many scriptures throughout, especially in the Old Testament, that we read where it describes the mind of God, the will of God, the emotions of God. How many remember in the book of Genesis, when it, during creation, he, he created this and that, he, and God saw that it was good. That was an emotion. It was good. That same God that inside of every believer is constantly trying to get you and I to think and desire and feel like God does. You know, our goal is to be more like Jesus, amen? He was our example to us on this earth. And as such, all of us should point to him to want to be more like him. Now, now as I dig into this, I, I want you to follow me here. But there's three attributes that are described in the Bible about God Almighty. Number one, he is omniscient. Everybody say omniscient. And that's a, that's a, that's a trivia word. That, that's probably on Wordle somewhere in some game. But uh, he is omniscient, God all-knowing. That's what that means. Number two is he's omnipotent. God has all power. He's all-powerful. Amen? And then three, he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere all at once. That's why you can pray here in American Canyon, California, and across the globe, somewhere in Japan, there could possibly some, be someone praying right now, God is everywhere at the same time. Amen? Those are three of his attributes about God. And, and I need you to understand that as we go forward. And so here's where I'm going to go next. We each have five senses, right? All of us here as believers or as people, as human beings, have five senses, which are to see to hear, to smell, to taste, and to touch, five senses. But do you realize this, that you also have five spiritual senses? And that's what I want to touch on today. You see, God wants you to see the way he sees, amen? That's why he gave us his word, so that we could get this in our soul, so that we could see the way he sees. God wants you to hear, the scriptures tell us, he who has ears, let him hear. Amen? He wants you to hear. And God wants you to smell. Now this one, you may chuckle at this one, but how many have ever said, hey, there's something fishy going on here? You know, what, what does that mean? You're, it doesn't mean that there's fish there. It just means that, hey, there's something here I don't quite understand or something that's not quite right. That's discernment. God wants you to smell the, and discern things around you. That's not right. I, I can't do that. I got I to leave this spot right now. That's not right. That's called discernment. And then, then he, can, uh, he wants you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Scripturally, God wants you to taste and see that the Lord is good. And then finally, God wants you to touch, to feel his presence. 
How many know what I'm talking about? You can be by yourself and feel the presence of God and actually just touch it, touch his presence, touch his spirit. And we can do that whether it's here or at home, even in your car as you worship the Lord. Amen? These are the five senses in the spiritual as well. You see, everything that God did was not by accident. Everything that's done in the physical is also done in the spiritual. That's how good, that's how awesome our God is. And the three points I want to bring in today about the Holy Spirit, number one is He has a mind. Everybody say, He has a mind. And you're going, Holy Spirit has a mind? Really? I'm going to share scriptures on that. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8. It's on your outline. The scriptures declare, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Here the word of God clearly declares that his thoughts, he has thoughts, he has a mind. Amen? You have thoughts because you have a mind. Sometimes we have bad thoughts. Sometimes when we're on Highway 29 and that traffic is just too much, we have bad thoughts. Amen? And uh, you just say, Lord, forgive me. Uh, I will not cut off that driver. I will just let him keep going and, uh, and so forth. Here's another scripture in John chapter 16, verses 13, regarding um, the thoughts. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Amen? God has thoughts that lead you and guide you. Amen? And here, here's the great news. The Holy Spirit is omniscient, and he, he, he's everywhere, all at the same time. The words omniscient, if you break it down, omni and science. Omni means everything, everywhere. And, and science means all-knowing. You put, put them together, and it means that God is all-knowing, all everywhere, omniscient. And uh, here's, the, here's the brilliant thought I want you to think of right here. Have you ever thought of people like Stephen Hawking? He was one of the greatest minds of the 20th century, uh, astrophysicist, uh, people like Albert Einstein, and on and on and on. And all their brilliance, they don't even come close to the knowledge and the mind of God. Amen? I don't care who you put up there as far as brilliance in mind. They don't come close to God Almighty because his ways are higher than our ways. Can I get an amen? Did you know that God can never think of something new? God can never think of something new because he's all-knowing. It's like you and I, we can, every day we learn something new. Every single day, I don't care how old you are, my parents are here, and they're young people here, almost 90 years old, and they learn something new every day of their life. I guarantee you, if you ask them, they'll tell you. God's ways are higher than our ways, amen? See, if, if he could think of something, God, that he's never thought of, then he would be learning something. But God knows everything already. That's the difference between me and you and, and God. God Almighty knows everything. Another thought. You and I can say, hey, I just thought of something. God can never say that. Because he doesn't just think of something. He already thought of it way back there. Amen? 
Have you ever thought those things? God can't do that. It's impossible for him. He's all-knowing already, all-powerful. That's the distinction between us, humans, and the Almighty God that we serve. And specifically here, talking about the Holy Spirit. And here's the great news about that Holy Spirit. This same God that knows everything. Everybody say he knows everything. He has all power. Say that with me. If you are a believer here today, he lives inside of you. That same God that knows everything, knows what's best for your life, he lives inside of you. Oh, that should just shake you up right now and just tell you, oh, thank you, Lord. You mean I don't have to do it on my own? Yes, that's correct. It's not just on your shoulders. God can give you his will for your life. Amen? That's the great news that we have. The Holy Spirit was sent to teach us and lead us and guide us into all truth. Not only is he your helper and comforter, he leads you and guides you into all truth. What's best for your situation right now? What's best for your future? What's best? Do I change the job? Do I move from this location to that location? Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is this the right move for me? What do I need to do here? Ask him. He knows everything. Amen? And sometimes we just try to do it all on our own. We try to figure it out without ever including God in that equation. And that's so silly when we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. How many would agree with that? Amen. Thank the Lord for his guidance. Amen. The second thing he has is the Holy Spirit. He has a will. Everybody say a will. I don't mean like a, a last living testament. I'm talking about a will. Thoughts, uh, uh, desires, um, things that he can tell you. Um, let, me, let me read to you Acts chapter 16 and verse 6 in describing the will of the Holy Spirit. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Did you catch that? The Holy Spirit forbade the disciples from going through that region in Asia or in Galatia. He has a will. There's sometimes the Lord will tell you, yeah, not anymore. Maybe you used to do that. And he forbids you from doing those things. How many know what I'm talking about? The Lord, the Holy Spirit will forbid you from doing the things you used to do before. <laughs> you don't have to raise your hands. But I used to go to a bar. I used to go to bars. I don't do that anymore. Why? Because the Holy Spirit forbids me from doing that. Is there, am I going to go to hell if I show up there? No, I'm not going to go to hell. But the Holy Spirit says, it's not good for me. It's not good for me. So I stay away from there. The Holy Spirit may be forbidding you and I from doing certain things, but if you're willing to listen to him, amen? Holy Spirit has a will. He has a will, and the way to know the will of God for your life is to know God. You and I have to dig into his word. This is the only way you're going to get to know God. We can praise him all day long and get goosebumps 
and, and have all those wonderful emotional experiences, but unless this gets in you, you will never know the will of God for your life. Can I get an amen? All of us should desire to know the will of God. And I want to remind each of you as believers that that someone living inside of you is the Holy Spirit. And His will, His mind are residing in you. They're ready to help you. But you have to want it. You and I have to desire it. There's, there's all these things that we call stubbornness and, and different things, attributes that affect us as people that get in the way of allowing the Holy Spirit to have freedom in our life. Amen? Just imagine if all that we could push away, stubbornness, unforgiveness, bitterness. I mean, all the, all the root evils, push them out of the way, and we would just obey every time the Lord opened his mouth to say, Son, daughter, do this. This is the best for you. This is the best for you. Imagine if we were to do that. How, how sweet life would be. That, that's what heaven's going to be like, unfortunately. Here in this life, we will stumble. But in that process, God has a plan. He's still growing you, amen? He's still chipping off some of the stuff he wants to take off of you in the process of you going through that trial. So that's, there's a reason why we're allowed to go through things as believers. There's reasons why we, we see suffering in our life. Sometimes it's our fault, though. We create the suffering, and we don't need to go there. Amen? <laughs> so here's the other thing, the third thing. God, the Holy Spirit, has emotions. Every one of you here have emotions. In fact, I would, say, I would dare say I've seen almost all of you emotional at some point, happy emotions, sad emotions at some point, tears of emotion at some point. God also has emotions. Let me share that, uh, some scriptures with you. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read about the fruit of the Spirit here. The Holy Spirit, this is what should exude out of each of you as believers. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen? Those are things that we as believers should be displaying, on display. All, those, all nine of those of the fruit of the Spirit should be exuding out of you. Just as a lemon exudes lemon juice when you squeeze it, when God squeezes us and we get squeezed by the trials of life, these are the things that should be coming out of us. Not hate, not anger, but it should be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what describes a believer right there. Amen? But here... I just want to remind you that a, that a force or a power does not have love or any of these attributes. And you can't have a relationship with a force or, or a power because they don't display those attributes. I think we're, we're clear on that one. Amen? But here I want to share with you something really, really unique here in uh, the book of Ephesians where we're going to go to next where it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. We're still talking about how he has emotions. You know, it's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. 
to make him upset, to make him not angry with you, but just upset, disappointed in you. And so I want you to turn with me, and you have it on your outline, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 25. Therefore, ridding yourselves of falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, because we are parts of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. The one who steals must no longer steal, but rather he must labor, producing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But if there is any good word for edification, according to the need of the moment, say that, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And verse 30, here it is. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. There's a lot going on there, but did you catch that? We can grieve the Holy Spirit. How many have ever grieved somebody else where you've caused them to be upset with you? All of us have. We're human beings. None of us are perfect. The Holy Spirit can be grieved by your actions. How, you're saying, how, how you might ask. All those verses we just read in describing anger, in describing stealing, in describing uh, bitterness, wrath, clamor, slander, malice, those are things that bring grief to the Holy Spirit. The next time you're about to say something, Catch yourself. Amen? Say, time out. Lord, forgive me. I thought it, but I didn't say it. Amen? How many are good at that? How many are good at catching yourself? And that's okay. That's good. It's when we say it, we can never take it back when we say something. Verse 30 again states that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And the answer to what grieves the Holy Spirit is our sin in our life. It grieves Him. And Sin grieves the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit loves you. The Holy Spirit has, has a mind, a will, and emotions that are there for you. And he's, he's thinking, man, you got all this going on and, and it's living inside of you. And now you're doing that or you're saying that? Oh, man, that hurts. That hurts. We can hurt God. Think of that, people. Think of that. This isn't meant to beat you up or anything like that. This is just meant to declare that we can grieve the Holy Spirit if we're not careful with our language, with our words. As somebody told me years ago regarding foul language, foul language is the forced expression of a feeble mind. I've never forgotten that. Anytime I hear somebody say that, I go, you got a feeble mind. That's what I think. I don't tell them that because that's just going to produce more foul language. How many know what I'm talking about? Although, no, I'm just kidding. 
In closing here this afternoon, the word grief is something all of us have had to endure. We have all lost family members. We have all had to grieve. And the word grieve is because you once had intimacy, closeness with that person. And when that intimacy, when that closeness is no longer there, your soul grieves over that, over that lack of intimacy, over not being able to just pick up the phone and say, hey, how are you? In the same manner, God grieves with us because, see, when we sin, it breaks the communion, the intimacy we have with God. I want to say that again. When we sin, it breaks the intimacy we have with God. Now, hear me though. Be, let's be careful. You and I as believers, how many know, again, we're not perfect. I say this over and over. You and I are not perfect. We will fail. Some of us will fall flat on our face. The important thing is pick yourself back up. Dust yourself off. Say, Lord, forgive me. I fell short. I, I failed. And then you keep going and you reestablish that intimacy with him. Have you ever gone through a period of your life where it just seems like the Lord is a million miles away? You can't feel him. You can't feel his touch. You get alone in your prayer time and he's not there and seemingly it's, you just can't experience him anymore. It happens when that bond of intimacy is broken. God wants you and I to be intimate with him in our relationship, to lay it all out with him, to tell him your deepest desires in your heart, what hurts you. He wants you to lay that out before him. Again, when we sin, it doesn't mean that God's refusing you. It's just that that intimacy has been broken because of sin. Sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God. Amen? When we sin, it breaks that intimacy with him. I want to share something here. Um, years ago, I, I've told you this story. I've, I got saved in my mid-20s. And uh, first person in my family got saved. Then my mom and dad got saved. My sisters got saved. My brother got saved. And um, it was all beautiful, beautiful experience. But after about three years, I walked away. I backslid. I walked away completely. And how many know that when you have an intimacy with God, especially when you're a new creation, new believer in Christ, everything's so good. Everything's wonderful. Um, the sky's always blue. I mean, the roses are always blooming, it seems like. It seems like God's answering all your prayers. But the minute you break that intimacy by sinning, when you start sinning, you break that intimacy is what I'm trying to say. And you no longer have that closeness with him. You no longer are walking in communion with God. Does he still love you? Yes. Is he still wanting you to repent? Yes. And so for a few years, I walked around stumbling and I didn't have to be reminded every day that I was backslidden because all I had to do was just look in the mirror. The mirror speaks loud and truth to you. It says, you're backslidden and you need to fix it. And even when I fixed it just a few years later, 
This is before I met Anna. I got my life right, but that intimacy took a while between me and God to fix. It doesn't just come back like before. When you break something like that, a holy communion, it takes a while, and it did. And shortly before we got married, I remember that we got married in 93, 94, met her in 93, and it was around 92, 93 when I began to experience God's presence again in my life, and I thought I'd never experience that ever again because I had broken that intimacy with him by backsliding by falling away. Yet God, in his mercy and his grace, said, no, I'm not refusing you. I still see you. I see you. I got you. And he pulled me back in, and the rest is history, amen? But God's goodness is what leads us to repentance. His goodness, the Bible says, leads us to repentance. So I want to invite you to stand today with me and I just feel in my spirit today that maybe there's someone here today that, and, and I'd like to do this all as a church. If you can just come forward, we're going to pray a prayer of repentance, all of us. We're going to pray a prayer of repentance. Just find a place up here at the altar somewhere. And this is what I'm going to do. I felt that the Lord asked me to do this when I was praying this morning to read Psalms chapter 51 to you, which is one of the greatest prayers of repentance, which I often have quoted here to you. But if there's something in your spirit and your soul that you know you have to ask God for forgiveness, let these words bring healing to you right now as I read these words. Let them bring healing to you. This is King David's prayer after he had sinned with Bathsheba, and, and you know the story there. And he had her husband killed, and he committed adultery with her. But listen to this prayer. And just if you can, close your eyes and listen and allow the forgiveness of these words to seep into your spirit. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Hope blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O oh God. You who are my God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in 
sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. I'm going to stop there. Father, we love you. We praise you. And we come to you today as just broken people. Lord, we need your help. We desire, Holy Spirit, that you would forgive us today as we cry repentance right now. We, we ask that you forgive us of our past, our present. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, that your blood would be applied, that God, not only as you forgive, that you would restore that intimacy that we once had with you. I believe someone here needs to hear this today. And I pray that as you make yourself real today, Lord, that they would live in forgiveness, that they would live in your grace today because you have set them free. No longer are they bound, Lord, by sin, but you have set them free in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We rejoice in you. We're going to close with this song here. Uh, we're just going to sing this. Continue to just praise God. Praise Him right there where you're at. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.